There's a little bit of controversy in the comic book world this week. Oh, yeah? You took a naked selfie? No. Okay. That's not controversial. No? No. <laughs> it might be offensive, but it's not controversial. <laughs> Welcome to episode 68 of Comical Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Corbett, and with me is... Super popular, awesome, Miguel Garza. Super awesome, fun time, horseman. <laughs> you don't know who you're messing with. <laughs> it's just the two of us today, no guests. No guests? And Heather's still really tired. What did you do to her? Well, she was on uh, vacation. She went to uh, Seattle to visit her boss for the last week for spring break, and she just came back. She's really tired, so... I thought you told me we weren't allowed vacations. <laughs> You're not allowed. Oh, I'm not allowed. Okay, that's how it works. <laughs> that's the way this works. <laughs> oh, so you're working the Mexican on hard labor, huh? You pay me quarters, huh? Work Mexican work. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm going to follow my union. <laughs> what union? What is that? The, the blacksmiths? <laughs> are you with the blacksmith union? <laughs> so are you at your horseshoes? <laughs> <laughs> nice. The blacksmiths. <laughs> don't mess around, man. The brownsmiths? What? That's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk some comics, because uh, we got a lot to do today. So what were your top two this week? My number two book this week was issue number six of The Spread, brought to you by Justin Jordan and Kyle Strom. Uh, for those of you who don't, aren't familiar with the series, it's about this post-apocalyptic world where this symbiotic uh, worm? monster worm thing called The Spread has gone all over the place, and it basically takes over people. It'll, it'll inhabit their body, and it's like a parasite. And it can bust out of them and turn into these giant worm monsters, or it can be little monsters, or just kind of whatever. And there's certain aspects of humanity that are immune to the spread. Like, they can't be affected by it. So, the story follows this guy, No, who's just this loner who carries around two hatchets. And he meets this woman who has a baby, and the, the family dies or whatever. So, he takes the baby for his own and realizes that the, the tears from the baby can basically disintegrate the spread. Like, anything it touches dies. So it's now his goal in life to protect this child. Well, he teams up with this uh, prostitute. <laughs> this like uh, I swear to God, she's on crack or something because she doesn't really say much. Yeah, she's really out of her mind. He teams up with this woman who's like breastfeeding the baby and taking care of her, and they end up at this uh, small little village of other survivors, and all kinds of crazy shit happens. But in this issue, they're fighting a lot because three giant worms break into the town. And the preacher who's there is actually infested and nobody knows it. And he's trying to kill the baby because he realizes the baby is like the chosen one to be their undoing or whatever. The baby's name is Hope. So, no. And the former cook who worked in the place is this giant fat bastard with a big machete <laughs> are teaming up to try to take out the, the spread monsters and save the child. And he was making chili out of people, dude. Yeah. I'm not saying he's a good guy. I'm just <laughs> saying he teamed up with no. His name is Jack, isn't it? Yeah, Jack. So... They're kicking ass, taking names, they're taking out the spread, and the woman who's protecting the baby ends up killing the preacher. So they all manage to survive and get away, except for No, who got stabbed in the back by this arrogant leader of the other survivors. And, uh, of course, No got his revenge. He, like, let the giant worm eat the guy. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, what's funny is, like, how they all can join up to form a bigger worm, too. Yeah, they, they're they symbiotic. So it's just crazy. It's a really cool story. Um, it's hyper-violent, like almost everything Justin Jordan does, uh, which, of course, makes us love it. Makes you wonder, though, if it's just that baby or if other babies have the same ability. But we haven't seen any other babies, so we don't know. So we don't even know if like she's the chosen one 
or if all the baby's tears have that power. Well, I think babies are going to be so rare in this world that even if there is other ones, they're probably going to be few and far between. Okay. <laughs> so you really think it's the baby's tears, or you just think this is actually the chosen one? Uh, this is probably the chosen one. I mean, they named it Hope. I got you. You know, and they have the whole play on words of him being named No and the baby being named Hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the spread's really cool. I think the first trade just came out. So uh, if you're looking for something to read, we, we love Justin Jordan's writing. So definitely go check that out. Yeah, it's a really good book. I enjoy it. And, then, you know, <laughs> who, who doesn't like a guy with two hatchets? That's right. Saving a baby <laughs> in an apocalyptic world. Gotta love it, man. Yeah. So what was your number one? Ha <laughs> ha. Number one, man, is Moon Knight number 13 by Cullen Bunn and Ron Atkins. Oh, yeah, the new creative team. Really, really good. I read it, and immediately it was like a throwback to the first issue. I mean, it's the start of a new arc, but really it has the exact same just awesome feeling that it did when Declan Shalvey and Warren Ellis were doing it. I like the art. I like the new direction. I like the style. I like the writing. I like the dialogue. I like everything about it. It was a great book. It was actually my number one as well. If you're a fan of Moon Knight, or even if you're not, and you're looking for something new to jump into on Marvel, I can't recommend Moon Knight highly enough. It's so good. Last year, it was my number one Marvel book of the year. This year's shaping up to be, <laughs> to be kind of similar. So, uh, again, highly recommend it. Well, as you know, as I tweeted out, that it's quickly becoming my number one Marvel book. I mean, Magneto is still number one, which is also being done by Cullen Bunn. But this book is just amazing. Yeah. I mean, the, the run has been, like, tremendous. And like we said before, I know crap about Moon Knight. Now I'm a big fan. He's like Batman that's willing to kill people. I know, right? I may <laughs> cosplay as Moon Knight. But he's even more fucked up. I mean, he's got like a really, really messed up head. I'm going to come to your house next year, Halloween, dressed up as Moon Knight. I wish you would. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really good. I mean, he's you all... Got, you got the fucked up headspace, right? So, I mean, you're, you're halfway there. Thanks, man. <laughs> I start talking to gods yet? Hey. <laughs> but yeah, in this one, he helps the ghost and stuff. Like, the spirit comes to... I never know the spirit's name. I can never pronounce Kanchu. it. Kanchu. Kanchu's yeah. the name of the deity that he worships that gives him his power. Yeah, it tells him, you know, some souls are being stolen and whatnot, and so he goes out there in typical fashion, kicks ass, but what's so funny is the guys actually thought he was a ghost. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird Ghostbusters, like he's fighting against some evil Ghostbusters. That's kind of what the story is in this one, but it's just so well done. Takes it's, that freaking orb and jams it in that dude's mouth. <laughs> it's like, you think I'm a ghost? <laughs> he's, he's, he's brutal, too, which is one of the reasons I like him. Oh, it's just amazing. Great run. Love the new guys. Just Yeah, like you said, it felt like Declan Shelby and the guys. Feels the like the first time. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so what was your uh, number two, sir, since we have the number ones the same? Uh, my number two is actually Invisible Republic number one from Gabriel Herdman and Karina Bechko. Uh, this is a real interesting new image book that came out. And it starts out with this kind of homeless looking guy who's wandering around this real dilapidated post-apocalyptic town. There's so many post-apocalyptic worlds these days in comics. I know, right? Uh, but he's wandering around and he finds this bum who's burning pages from a book to stay warm. And he's like, what is this? And he goes over and he starts rifling through the pages and the bum's like, hey, what are you doing? You can't take my paper. He's like, that stuff burns real good. So the guy takes it and gives him some money which the bum's fine with that trade. And then he goes and he starts reading the book. So the comic follows the book, and it's the story of their former president or their former leader of their country that led them into this terrible world. And it's written from the perspective of his sister. So this is actually somebody's uh, biography that, that they left behind, or maybe their diary, uh, that belonged to somebody who was really close to their former president they're trying to slander, they're trying to find out more about. So you're learning things about their past and how brutal the guy was before he became a dictator. And you're also learning a little bit about this investigative reporter who finds the book. Uh, it's just a real cool double story thing going on, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's a great first issue. Yeah, I bought it with you, and then I, I thought it was good. It really was. The whole thing when he's like, did you take care of her? Do I need to go finish her up? Like, 
damn. Okay, because I didn't expect that. If it was like a tree hugger kind of guy when you first, you know, they're living off fish. And he's on like, the moon. Yeah, on the, on the moon. On the moon, Eating yeah. fish or whatever they're eating there. And he's like, you know, the skinny fish, right? And then when they kill those guys, like, feed them to the fish. I'm like, what the hell, man? You're going to eat the fish? They look like giant crawfish with fins. It's really weird. I know, right? This is, yeah, it's a really good book. Yeah, I thought it was cool. So if you're looking for something new image to check out, I'd, I'd say go pick up Invisible Republic. You won't be sorry. So what was your pick of the week then, man? Oh, man. Pick of the week is uh, from one of our favorite guests here on the show. Uh, Rain Number 3 by Mr. Kel Simons and Baxter Stockman. Oh, wait a that's not right. That guy's the turtle guy. <laughs> Baxter Stockman? Seriously? <laughs> no, my that's, bad. <laughs> that's, that's the guy who turned into the fly in Turtles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> turtles. I think you meant uh, Nate Stockman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my bad, Nate. <laughs> no, man. Rain, just a tremendous story. You know, we know about the guy. He's a hero, sword play, and you got witchery. Now you got science and technology. And I, I love it, man. It's a throwback. It is a really cool series. I almost like it more than Mercenary Sea. Which Shut I was, your mouth. I, I'm a big fan of Mercenary Sea. I really love that book, too. But I think Rain just speaks to me a little bit more because I'm, I'm really into the swords and sorcery kind of stuff. I always have been. Um, and is that a fetish? <laughs> You know, I, mean, I grew up playing Magic and D&D and stuff like that. So, I mean, I've always been kind of drawn to fantasy elements in my story. And, yeah, I, th- I think this is really good. It's it's all about Rain trying to save the girl who was shot by an arrow in the last issue. He's taking it to her father. He's taking her to her father, but he has to climb this giant mountain to get to him. And he's going up, and he gets attacked by this huge bird. That well, he can, <laughs> what was up with that? <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a massive condor that he can barely fight off. And he's doing everything he can, but he keeps falling. He's, like, losing his grip on the, the cliff. Well, the girl wakes up because she's getting jostled and, like, banging against the side of the cliff. (laughs) So she uses the last little bit of magic she has to shoot the bird out of the sky. And then they finish their ascent. Shoot the bird? She shot that thing's head off. Well, I mean, yeah, she she obliterated it if you want to get it down to technical terms. But they make it to the top of the cliff. Her father and some of his helpers find them, bring them back to the town, and start talking to him and talking to her, trying to figure out who this guy is because they don't really like outsiders, obviously. That's why they live on top of this giant mountain. Yeah, they call him a lowlander. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's a real offensive term. I know, right? <laughs> so they start talking about the stuff they do up there, and he's like, I don't want anything to do with witchcraft or magic. That's not me. But at the same time, he's having his own talk with God in his head. <laughs> so he's like a crazy person. And the, the, you've come to find out they're not actually wizards. They're not even magicians of any sort. They use old technology to do, like, Iron Man blasts out of their exactly. hands. Exactly. I know. I was like, wait a minute. Hang on here. <laughs> like repulsor blast. It's kind of cool. Uh, so I wasn't expecting the science aspect to be merged into this, but I'm, I'm kind of liking it. That was a nice twist, right? Kind of yeah. makes you feel like when the Transformers went back to medieval times. Remember when Starscream was doing all the science <laughs> stuff? Yeah. It's like, that's freaking cool. Yeah. I like how the fact that he's carrying up the girl. He's got her in that, like, that like military type thing. He has the rope tied around his waist, and he's dragging her from the bottom. She's like in a uh, basket, all taped up. Well, not taped up, you know, tied up so she doesn't fall out. And we get to the top. Then he almost has to fight the people at the top. It's like he climbs this big freaking mountain fighting his damn chicken, and, <laughs> and then he gets up to the top, and he's got to fight again. Life is tough for a guardian, man. I know, right? <laughs> Rain is pretty badass, though. I'm not going to lie It is to a you. really good series. Uh, if you're a fan of Mercenary Sea, go check this one out because you're going to like it. I know, man. That's what I was saying earlier. Kel, Kel Simon's doing a great job of Mercenary Sea and a great job of Rain. It's just a fun read. I really enjoy it. And that's why it was my pick of the week. And what was yours? I actually have two. One of them is a comic, and one of them is an original graphic novel. So okay. my comic is Punk's number 5 from Joshua <laughs> Hilfiakov and Cody Chamberlain. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. I just think about the dog again. <laughs> 
I, I haven't laughed so hard at a comic in a while. I mean, I think it was a few Deadpool issues ago that I thought was so funny, but uh, they really just hit the nail on the head this issue. Uh, they're watching this TV show called like Chocolate Booby Explosion <laughs> or something. I don't even remember what it was, but uh, if you remember, Punks is about the four characters who live in a house together. They're all bros. It's like Abraham Lincoln, a guy with a dog face, a guy with a fist for a face, and a guy with a skull for a face. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're busting each other's balls and doing whatever, and they're trying to watch this show, and Lincoln's like offended by it, so he like stops the show from being created anymore, which really pisses off the dog, and he goes off on these weird tangents that are just hilarious. And then the story just kind of stops abruptly, which is funny. Uh, and then it says the rest of the story is going to be told in manga style, where you're going to read from, from right to left from the back of the book. So then you flip it over and read it like you would a manga. And <laughs> that story is even funnier than the first one. If you haven't checked out Punks yet, each issue is a self-contained story or several self-contained stories at least. Uh, and it's so weird and it's so interesting and I personally think it's very funny. So if you're looking for a comedy book, go check it out. I, you will like it. That's just crazy. Yeah, pretty much just talking nonsense and the dog. You're like, he's oppressing me. <laughs> and, and it's somewhere in the middle. The dog and the skull guy get in a fight and the skull guy's like, I had two damn lines and I poke a dog in the eye. That's all. I'm leaving this comic. <laughs> I'm out of here. But you want to know what's even funnier is it tells you to read the book like, you know, like it's like a manga. Read it the normal way and see how messed up it is there. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny because I did it that way and did it the other way. I was like, that's kind of funny. So it, either way, it works. <laughs> Those guys are doing a great job with it. So, yeah. And my other pick of the week is an original graphic novel that came out today called Sex Castle. You pervert. <laughs> and it's written and drawn by Kyle Starks. What is it with these sex books? <laughs> this one actually has nothing at all to do with sex. That's just the guy's name. Nice. <laughs> uh, so basically the story is that Sex Castle is one of the world's most feared and renowned assassins. And something happened in his past where he ended up assassinating the vice president. And he got caught. So he went to jail. Well, the whole time he's in jail, all he can think about is getting out and doing something peaceful in his life. He doesn't want to kill people anymore. So he gets out. And the government's like, we still want you to be an assassin. We still want you to work for us. And he's like, no, I'm done with that. Doing my own thing. I'm going to go find some place and be peaceful. So he goes to this small town and he finds a flower shop and there's a nice woman that works there. And, you know, he, he talks to her and says, do you have any jobs for me? Is there any way I could work here? And she's like, well, what are your qualifications? He's like, well, when I was in prison, I always thought about working with flowers. And she's like, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, and before she can even like think about telling him no, because she doesn't want a, a felon <laughs> working with her. Uh, some gangsters show up that work for the mayor of the town and they're demanding protection money. So they got this whole racket where everybody's paying protection money. Well, he's not going to have anything to do with that. So he's like, listen, you guys need to back off. This this flower shop's under my protection now because <laughs> I'm working here. Doesn't even give her the chance to acknowledge that he's working there, but he's like, I'm working here. So the goons try to take him on and of course he just whoops their ass because he's one of the best assassins in the world. And the goons are funny. He's funny. He's cracking jokes the whole time. The goons run away with their tails between their legs and go to the mayor. Well, the mayor's like, screw that. I'm not letting some nobody wander into my town and try to take over. He's like, we got to deal with this guy. So they call him to the mayor's office, and he goes there. And the mayor has all of his goons waiting, and they try to take him out, and he just kicks everybody's ass again because he's just such a badass. So the mayor's even more pissed off. So he finds out who the guy is. He finds out his name is Sex Castle, and he's one of the best assassins in the world. So he goes to the League of Assassins and hires another assassin to take him out. So this female assassin shows up and tries to take out Sex Castle. And they have a long history. They know each other. They're romantically entangled. And instead of uh, actually fighting to the death like they wanted, they end up reuniting. <laughs> Reunited because it feels so good. 
And, of course, that pisses the mayor off even more. So things just keep escalating and escalating until the point where the mayor just brings all of the assassins to town to try to take him out. And I'm not going to ruin the, the, the final moments of the story because there's just so many cool things that happen. Uh, but it's a real fast read. It's a fast-paced book. I got through the whole thing in like 25 minutes, and I was just reading so fast because it was awesome. Uh, if you're looking for a real cool, self-contained small story, go pick up Sex Castle. I promise you will enjoy it. Huh. Sounds like this mayor got some deep pockets, man, in a small town. I think he bankrupted the town trying to take out this guy that works at the flower shop. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Police Academy episode, man. Uh, there's so many cool things about it, and it's really, I'm not doing it any kind of justice. It's so funny. I was laughing several times throughout the book, and you know the fight scenes are really well drawn and really well choreographed. It's so cool. That's all I can really say. Cool. You left your copy at my desk? I left my copy at work for you to read. I right, take it with me into the stall and I'll read it. You bastard. Oh, I wouldn't do that. That's against my rules. It's against your rules. <laughs> no reading in the stalls. <laughs> so that was those were my picks of the week. Ah, okay. So I want to tell everybody that uh, we have a lot of conventions coming up this year, and we have a lot of things that we want to do. Uh, we're trying to make some t-shirts. We're trying to make some merchandise. To do all those things, though, we got to get a little bit of money. And you know, we're more than willing to put what we can into the show, but a little bit of help from you guys would go a long way. So there's a couple ways you can help support us. Uh, number one is by buying some kick-ass headphones from tweakedaudio.com. Damn straight. Uh, these headphones are, we've been talking about these for like six months now, but they truly are amazing headphones. They have great sound quality. They have excellent bass. They have noise-canceling functionality. And they have a flat cable design, which prevents tangling. I love putting them in, and I don't have to hear nobody. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing, though, is that if you go there and you find some headphones you like, and you buy them, and you use promo code COMICAL, you will get one-third off the cost of your order, plus free shipping anywhere worldwide. And they ship quick, too. They will get to your house within a few days. I'm telling you, man. I blinked, and they were there. So do us a favor. Go out there and buy some headphones. You will not be disappointed. And alternatively, if you already have headphones, or you're already satisfied, or you already bought some tweaked headphones, whatever it is. Buy some more. <laughs> uh, well, that's an option. Uh, you can just donate to the show directly if you want to help us. Uh, go to PayPal and send some money to comicalpodcast at gmail.com. I'm not begging. <laughs> I'm just asking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm begging. I need some money. <laughs> well, the show needs some money. It's not us. Oh, yeah, that's true. This money doesn't... I mean, we spend a lot on comics every week, but that's not where this money goes. Any money we make from this is going to go towards... Either new equipment for better interviews on the road, or new t-shirts, or new flyers. We, we've actually gotten some new artwork, uh, I'm sure people on Twitter and Facebook have seen it, of the caricatured versions of ourselves that Chris Ryder drew. Uh, we had a friend color them for us, and they look awesome. And who was our friend? Our friend James Linares, yeah, right. in Houston. So we're working on turning those into a shirt, we're working on turning those into a flyer, we just have a lot of ideas and a lot of things we want to do this year, but we can't do it without you guys' help. So. I know. And don't forget about my shirt for my tour. You know? And then Miguel is going to be doing a shirt for his Shovel My Shit tour. That's so. right. I'd like to have the picture of old Horsicles on that cover, you know, looking at Sean, shoveling my shit. Yeah. So <laughs> please help us out however you can. We really appreciate it. So moving on. <laughs> There's a little bit of controversy in the comic book world this week. Oh, yeah? You took a naked selfie? No. Okay. That's not controversial. No? No. <laughs> It might be offensive, but it's not controversial. <laughs> you have the right to post those if you want. Not on our website. No. <laughs> but there is some major controversy this week, and that is over one of the Joker Month covers that's supposed to come out in June. And this particular Joker Month cover is for Batgirl number 41. And on the cover, you have the Joker standing behind Barbara Gordon in her full Batgirl getup. Mm -hmm. And he's draping his arm over her shoulder, holding a gun. Mm -hmm. And then he's smeared blood across her face to make it look like she's smiling. But really, the facial expression she's making is one of pure terror. 
And it's a really creepy and really awesome looking cover. Mm-hmm. And it's a complete throwback to Alan Moore's story, The Killing Joke, mm-hmm. which is one of the most iconic Batman stories ever. Yes. Uh, where Barbara Gordon was brutally attacked by the Joker, shot in the spine, and then paralyzed, where she eventually became Oracle. Yes. And she worked and struggled and, and did everything she could to regain her ability to walk and then eventually to become Batgirl again. Yeah. So it's a real triumphant story for Batgirl, even though it is also one of the darkest parts of her life. So when this cover was unveiled to people, several people reached out to the artist, who's Raphael Albuquerque, and said that they found it offensive because it reflected on the worst time in Barbara Gordon's life, and it reminded them of the ambiguous possible rape scene that happened in The Killing Joke. And it was never explicitly said whether the Joker sexually abused Barbara in any way, but a lot of people kind of think that might have happened because it is a little bit implied. You could read it that way. And it's always been kind of this ambiguous thing. So the current tone of the Batgirl series is very positive and very upbeat and very progressive. And they're trying to get new readers and it's a great book for new readers to comics, especially women. So the cover is definitely not aligned with the interior of the book. And a lot of people were upset about that. So they reached out to the artist and they started complaining. So he kind of caved to the pressure and decided to tell DC that he didn't want the cover released. And DC said, well, we're going to listen to our artists and if they don't feel comfortable releasing this, then we're going to go ahead and pull it. So it's pulled. Which shouldn't be too big of an issue. Well, it's turned into another one of those giant things on the internet where it's like men versus women. <laughs> where all the men are saying, we want it, it's cool. Well, you can't say that. Not all men want it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Not all men want it. I'm not making grand generalizations here. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But, but in general, a lot of men, and probably some women too, don't have a problem with it. They just see it as an homage to the killing joke. Mm-hmm. And I think the argument that it, a collector standpoint, basically. Right, from a collector standpoint. I think the argument that the outside of the comic has to match the inside of the comic is kind of wishy-washy anyways, because there's so many variant covers that come out that have nothing at all to do with the actual interior story. Um, I don't really have a dog in this fight. Uh, I feel like it's a cool cover. I like The Killing Joke. It's one of my favorite Batman stories. Uh, if that cover did come out, I might actually be inclined to buy it. But I also understand how it could be offensive to some women. So I just wanted to, to touch on it because it's obviously a big thing on the internet right now. What are your thoughts? This is a tough subject to talk about. Yeah. I mean, you can't really say anything without offending somebody. And it's the world we live in now. We defended uh, gay rights not too long ago. Yeah. Um, you know, people bashing the kiss on The Walking Dead and how it's funny. Like, you can have murder, death, and everything else on TV and no one's up in arms. But then it shows up in a comic book and people get upset about it. I don't know, like you, I don't have a dog in this fight. Obviously, The Killing Joke was a great story. Granted, what the Joker did, shooting, and I'm not condoning any of that other stuff. Um, it really just comes down to, to who the responsibility is on. Is the responsibility on the consumer to say, I'm offended by that, so I'm not going to buy it? Or is the responsibility on the artist to say, well, this is offensive, so I'm not going to put it out there? And I think that the responsibility should be on the consumer. I think that the consumer should have the presence of mind to say, Personally, for me, this is not something I want to own because I do find it offensive, so I'm just not going to buy it. And I think people should have that choice. I don't think that the corporation should be making that decision for us, especially when the art has already been released to the public and people have already seen it. You agree with that? Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. Um, And people will come back at you probably saying because what you're stating right now, you're just a man, you have no family. Well, I have a man... I'm a man with a daughter. You have a man? I have a man. <laughs> Stand by your man. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> Look, 
you may get some flack for you know what you're saying. Um, I'll stand with you on this issue. People should have the right to decide, I think. Um, it is still America. I get the fact how people can be offended by it. I really do. But again, it, I, the way I look at it, it's just a comic book cover. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I'm not really looking into it. I guess it's just my point of view. I don't know. It's such a small thing that I just don't understand the animosity people have. And the worst part is that some of the guys who are so into this cover and so passionate about it being released and wanting to get their hands on it are sending death threats to whoever is out there telling Raphael Albuquerque that they don't want it because it is offensive. And that's, that, that's fucking stupid. Too. That is absolutely stupid. Those people are totally entitled to their opinion to say that they don't want it because it's offensive. And they're absolutely welcome, especially in the age of the internet, to go out and talk to the artist or the publisher or whoever and bitch about it. And then those people have to make that decision whether, like I said before, it's for the consumer to make that choice or for the corporation to make that choice. So I have no problem with anything up until that point. The one thing I do really have a problem with is the assholes who are giving all of us comic fans a bad reputation by going after these people that are complaining and threatening them. It's ridiculous. Yeah, everybody has a right to their opinion. Girl, it is comics. I mean, we're all fans of comics, obviously. We're all passionate about it, but grow the fuck up. Thank you. That is ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, seriously, we have more important things to be worried about than comic stuff. (laughs) Seriously. There's something wrong with people. We've said this before. (laughs) people have issues so you know I don't even know what to say anymore to it just let it go (laughs) that's right let it go (laughs) alright well I'm tired of this controversy crap now how about you tell me a funny story alright alright I got a funny story for you this week alright well let me me start this off by saying that uh, I hate mayonnaise I think mayonnaise is one of the most disgusting food items that's out there. Every time I see somebody eat it, it makes my stomach churn. Every time I smell it, it makes me queasy. Did you eat it out of the jar with a spoon when you were a kid or something? I I try very hard not to have anything to do with it my whole life. But the flip side of that is that I love mustard. Yellow mustard. It's really good. French's yellow mustard is the best. Okay. So when I was a kid, my sisters felt the exact opposite of how I feel. They loved mayonnaise. They ate it on everything, and it always disgusted me. And it didn't matter what I said. It didn't matter what my parents said. They would not eat mustard. And I was just like, you guys don't understand. Mustard is the best stuff on the planet. So I told my sisters, who were very young and impressionable, that they just passed a new law, that if you don't eat mustard, the president is allowed to come to your house and spank you with a giant spiked paddle. (laughs) Nice. And they both bought it. Wow. (laughs) So the next day when we all came downstairs to eat our bologna sandwiches or whatever, my mom started making them. Hold up. Hold up. You said you ate a bologna sandwich? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, wow. And the crap you give me for eating bologna now? When I was a kid, I used to eat bologna all the time (laughs) until one day I ate it. And then I went outside and I took two steps towards the pool and just projectile vomited all into the pool. It was horrible. Nice. I've never eaten a bologna sandwich since that day. It made me so sick. I was sick for like three days. I'm going to sneak you a bologna sandwich. Horrible. (laughs) With mayonnaise. The smell of that makes me queasy too. (laughs) But anyways, so the next day we go downstairs to eat and my sisters are both like, Mommy, I want mustard. And she's like, since when do you like mustard? And they're like, we want mustard. Put mustard on our sandwich. My mom was like, Okay. So she made their sandwiches with mustard and gave them to him. And, you know, my, my middle sister took a bite. And she was just making a face. And she's like, oh, I hate it. Yeah, it's so bad. She's like trying to eat it. She can't, she can't even stomach it. My, <laughs> my little sister takes a bite. And she's like, huh, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I got one of them to like it. Uh, mission accomplished. 
Nice. So my mom's like, well, if you don't like it, why did you ask for it? Why are you eating it? And when he's like, Justin told me I had to. And she's like, Justin, why'd you tell him they had to? And I'm like, I didn't tell him anything. She's like, "Uh uh-huh. He said if we didn't eat mustard, the president was going to come to the house and spank us. (laughs) (laughs) my mom said, what? (laughs) And she, I mean, it's been a, a running joke in our family for my whole life that I told my sisters the president was going to come and spank them with a spike paddle if they didn't eat mustard. Is that why you have thousands of packages of mustard in your desk? Oh, I love mustard. I eat it on everything. I know you do. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> <laughs> you want know, a little hamburger with your mustard? <laughs> what can I say? I like it. Mm-hmm. But I told my sisters that they had to eat it or the president was going to come get them. That's pretty damn funny. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't like the sandwich with the mayonnaise. When you bite uh, it, and the mayonnaise just drips out the side of the bread. That's disgusting. <laughs> If I get if I order a burger from a fast food place and they put mayonnaise on it right in the like, trash, right in the trash, I won't even like try to scrape it off or anything. It's just it ruins the whole thing. And I've seen you do this shit too. You just throw it in the trash. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> You're like, fuck, they messed up my sandwich. Foom. I'd rather waste the five or six bucks than try to stomach eating it. Ugh. He threw a water burger in the trash. People, they put mayonnaise on it. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it was it might have, might have well dipped it in their ass crack. Like, oh, nasty. The ass same dip chicken again. The same thing. It's horrible. <laughs> I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, this has to be the most pickiest person I've ever met in my entire life when it comes to food. Only about food. Yeah. I, I am indeed a very picky eater. That's right. You don't like stuff you don't like stuff in water floating. <laughs> I don't like soup. I don't like I like some vegetables. I, I'm really a big fan of broccoli and peas and, and green beans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't eat lettuce. Like lettuce tastes like foul water to me. It's just horrible. Uh, mayonnaise is disgusting. What about cabbage? No, it's the same thing. Carrots? Not really. I, I can't eat them, but I don't like them like them. Uh, there's a whole laundry list of stuff I won't eat. It drives Heather crazy. Mac and cheese? Disgusting. <laughs> you know how you feel about bologna already. It makes me sick just seeing it. Seafood makes me sick. Asian food makes me sick. You don't know what you're missing, man. I know exactly what I'm missing. I'm okay with missing it. <laughs> Get you some nice sushi. Ugh, gross fish. Some general, general soul chicken. No, no, thank you. Some catfish. No, thank you. <laughs> Some shrimp etouffee. I can survive perfectly fine on bread and peanut butter for the rest of my life. I've seen you do that too. <laughs> and oh, excuse me, and cheese nips. Cheese nips are pretty damn good. Yeah, they are. Have you tried the new cheese nips? Uh, uh-uh. the bold and spicy ones. Well, we are really going off on a tangent here. All <laughs> <No>, right, <laughs> gotta love them cheese nips, man. I ate that whole damn box. Wow. Wife bought me the box. Right, she goes, try these. You might like them. Ate it all, one sitting. Could not put the damn box down. I love cheese nips. I've been there before, too. But never that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get off the nip. <laughs> so that's my funny story. That's pretty good. You, have, you ever tell your sister anything as a kid that she believed? Uh, I think I, for a long time I told her that she was adopted. Oh, that's a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> and I told her we uh, one day we were out doing something, and my dad was messing around, and he walked around this big rock, and there was a baby. And it was you. <laughs> we kicked a couple of rocks over, and you were there. And I think a couple of years, I started telling her, you're really the milkman's daughter. I'm just letting you know that. <laughs> she used to get, why do you think you're so pale comparison to us? And she really believed it for a while. Uh, yeah, that's probably why I'm going to hell. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've had my share of those stories, too. That's pretty funny. Yeah, my sister's like eight years younger than me, though, so that's so much fun. <laughs> Mine are only a couple of years younger than me, so... It's still fun. Yeah. <laughs> the president's good. Wait, but who was the president? I think it was Reagan at the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the bubble's going to come to your house? <laughs> that might be bad. <laughs> going to do some Reaganomics on you? <laughs> I didn't know what that was back then. 
So what we got next, brother? Uh, next we got comics, movie, and TV news. What do you want to talk about first? Uh, let's talk some movies today. Movies. All right, so <laughs> this past week, Jason Momoa was at a Comic-Con signing all of these posters he was handing out. Still looks like a pussy. <laughs> but he, <laughs> you might want to watch what you say. He's like three times your size. I can take him. Yeah, Cal Drogo is going to whoop your ass, man. I'm Merman. <laughs> that he was, he was signing all these posters, uh, fuck Marvel, and then signing his name. That's pretty damn awesome, actually. <laughs> so, of course, being the uh, fun, fair, positive soccer that the internet is, <laughs> everybody lashed out against him, and they were like, well, how can you say that? That's, that's ridiculous. You can't be like, fuck Marvel. And his, his response was, grow up, people. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take it so seriously. Don't take things so seriously. I kind of <laughs> applaud him for that. Uh, I'm a little more excited to see him as Aquaman now. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're out of the will. I'm out of the will. No more sea coral for me. <laughs> Is that Sea Rick's son, sea coral? Nice. <laughs> Ten tickles, coral. That was a terrible joke. <laughs> so moving on, um, they announced this week that the Fantastic Four movie is going to showcase all four of the actors wearing the traditional style Fantastic Four costumes. Okay. The trailer so far, I've only shown them wearing like the solid black outfits or whatever, but apparently they're going to be showing them wearing the blue with the big four on it. <laughs> so uh, that's that's something I guess a little bit more comic-y than uh, the trailers would normally have you believe it's going to be <laughs> want to walk around wearing a big old blue tight outfit with a big four on it. <laughs> you're going to wear with 11s <laughs> <laughs> you know it baby <laughs> uh, so aside from that they also announced the first Star Wars spinoff okay. it's going to be called Rogue One and it's going to come out May 26, 2017 damn so I'm, I'm assuming that's going to be all about the uh, Rogue Squadron so that could be kind of cool. I think so. I uh, hope Disney doesn't mess it up, man. Uh, I have some faith in them. I mean, the trailer for the new Star Wars, you know, looked cool to me. So Yeah, they didn't really show much, though. No. We'll get a real trailer pretty soon. So excited for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think everybody is. So next up on the news is that TJ Miller confirmed via Twitter a few days ago that he is, in fact, going to be playing Weasel in the Deadpool movie. Huh. Who the hell is TJ Miller? Really? Yeah. Really? Uh, the guy from the most recent Transformers movie, the one who got incinerated in the very beginning. The funny oh, guy. Yeah. Okay, all right. I mean, he's been in a lot of other stuff that you probably don't recognize him from, but I knew you'd know the Transformers reference, so that's why I went there. I don't know names. <laughs> he's a funny guy. Yeah, he's pretty funny. Yeah. So I think he'll be good as Weasel. I'm really excited that's who they cast him as. And the very last piece of movie news is that the chair trailer finally dropped. Hell yeah! If you guys remember, we had Peter Samedi on the show last year talking about his uh, original graphic novel, The Chair, yep. and how it was being turned into a movie. Uh, well, the Kickstarter completed and he managed to get the additional funding he needed from outside and it looks like they're done with production or done with filming at least uh the trailer's out now and they're in post-production so i imagine what later this year we're gonna see the chair yeah it looked pretty cool actually it does look pretty cool so go check that out guys i think you'll uh you'll be excited for it yeah you backed it i backed it my wife backed it yeah yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> the chair brought to you by comic podcast Wow. Not really. <laughs> I think we might have a credit in there for our donation. Hey. Kind of cool. Big time again. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Claim <of> fame. <laughs> so what do you want next? Comics or TV? You know, since we've been talking about controversy, give me some comic news. Comic news. Okay. So the first thing is that Marvel put out a list today of all of the ongoing titles that are ending before Secret Wars begin. Oh, give me that <laughs> list, man. Okay. So there's 33 titles, and I'm just going to run down them real quick. All new Captain America. All new Ghost Rider, all new X Men, Amazing Spider Man. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! 
All new Ghost Rider? Yeah, it's it. Ah, take that piece of crap and get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Amazing X-Men, Angela Asgard's Assassin, Avengers, Avengers World, Captain Marvel, Cyclops, Deadpool. Whoa. Well, these characters are still going to be having things going on in Secret Wars. That's right. These are bad. just the ongoings that are ending. I'm sorry. So Deadpool, Elektra, Fantastic Four, Guardians 3000, Guardians of the Galaxy, Hulk, Inhuman, Iron Fist, Legendary Star-Lord, Miles Morales, New Avengers, Nightcrawler, Nova, Rocket Raccoon, Secret Avengers, Spider-Man and the X-Men, Spider-Man 2099, Storm, Superior Iron Man, which is the one that I'm probably most upset about on this list because it's so new, and I feel like Superior Iron Man didn't get enough of a run like Superior Spider-Man did. Uh, Thor, Uncanny X-Men, Wolverines, and then the normal X-Men. Damn. So a lot of titles are ending before Secret Wars starts. Holy crap. So you, you made that checklist at the comic shop. Yeah. Where they put out the thing and said, which Secret Wars titles do you want? You, we both checked everything. Yeah, you bastard. <laughs> so of these 33, I think we're losing like 20 bucks, and we're probably gaining 15 to 20 off that list. So probably going to break about even. Yeah, because the character's going everywhere else. Right. So uh, Marvel's going to have about the same number of titles out there, just not the same titles. I need a checklist so I know where people are going so I can say nay or nay. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Whichever ones I want. <laughs> Grump a horse. <laughs> so thanks for being patient while I read through that list. <laughs> I know that you love listening to lists on podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on. Uh, there's some new Secret Wars titles that were announced. The first one is Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, which is throwing back to when continuity was changed and Spider-Man lost his wife as Mary Jane and they lost their baby. Oh, wow. So apparently in Secret Wars, he's going to gain both of them back somehow. What? <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how that goes, because I remember so many people were pissed off when that storyline went on. Man. It'll, it'll be interesting. Uh, next is Age of Apocalypse is coming to Secret Wars. And then 1602, Witch Hunter Angela. So you know there's, there's going to be 1602 is one of the, the titles in Secret Wars, but I guess they're doing a spinoff of that where Angela is going to be this uh, angel on a quest to hunt down demonic and uh, evil witches and sorcerers and things like that. I might read that. So that could be kind of cool. And those are the three new Secret Wars titles that Marvel announced this week. Uh, they also announced a couple of other titles, which I'm fairly excited about. The first one is Star Wars Shattered Empire. Ooh. Which is going to bridge the storyline between Return of the Jedi and the new nice. movie. So we'll finally get a little bit of uh, idea of where the story's going to go. Yeah, definitely be picking that up. I'm excited for that one. And then... The next one is the miniseries that I'm really excited for, that I've been waiting for for a long time, Deadpool versus Thanos. Really? Yeah. Huh, I'll pick that up. <laughs> you know, those two have always had kind of a... Dude, he's going to get his ass kicked so bad. I don't know. I don't know, because Death's always been on his side in that, in that battle. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> Thanos has always been in love with the female embodiment of Death, and the female embodiment of Death has always been in love with Deadpool. So there's always been that weird tri- like love triangle thing going on with them, and they've always had a little bit of animosity towards each other. So we're finally going to see that play out, which I'm kind of excited for. Dude, he's going to pound the crap out of him early on. Sure, but... Hey, know, Deadpool's just going to keep on coming back? Deadpool, I mean, he will, he will annoy the crap out of him until the... And actually, Thanos is going to show up in the last issue of Deadpool, uh, Deadpool 250, before he dies. Uh, the preview pages are up now, and you can actually see Thanos in the Thanos copter. Oh, nice. <laughs> Which I'm also really excited to see. The Thanos copter. <laughs> as far as DC, so I guess we should touch on that a little bit. They did unveil new costumes for several of their primary characters going forward. Uh, there's a new Batman costume, new Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Arrow, Green Lantern. Uh, new costume designs for all of them. Did you see those pictures? No, I did not. 
But I heard uh, Batman's like a robot. Yeah, Batman looks like a giant robotic bunny rabbit. <laughs> what? Uh, it's it's kind of weird. He's really slim, really slender from like the neck down. He kind of looks like Azrael used to. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of like spiky parts and stuff. And then the ears are actually really tall and pointy. And they almost kind of look like bunny rabbits <laughs> rather than bats. So, come on, man. It's 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 oh, I can see it maybe working out for a little while, you know, mech Batman whatever. Uh, but I'm not a huge fan of that design. Uh, the Superman design is really lazy. Just jeans and a shirt, right? He's wearing jeans and a black t-shirt. Come on. Uh, he looks like Connor Kent. <laughs> wow. Um, the Green Arrow design is okay. Uh, I think that's probably the best one of the group. His hoodie's a little bit different. Like, it's not... Uh, like the one from Smallville? Kind of like that, yeah. I guess that's the best way to describe it. Hmm. I think Wonder Woman has the best change, don't you think? Wonder Woman probably has the best change... Just needs to kick ass. Green Arrow, Green Arrow has the smallest one. Green Lantern, it's like a totally new look. <laughs> I'm not sure about that one at all. Uh, but yeah, the Wonder Woman one, it's just a full body armor suit. I kind of like it. Just something different for her. But she's constantly changing costumes, so it's like not your, too big of a deal. Like your women in armor? Sure. <laughs> With big rabbit ears? I like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Don't challenge her. <laughs> uh <laughs> And then something else that's not entirely comics related, but is kind of cool, just an interesting uh, factoid. Okay. Stan Lee is selling his house. Really? In California. Are you buying it? And apparently this is a giant Spider-Man statue right smack dab in the middle of the foyer. That's freaking cool. <laughs> and he's selling it for $4.9 million. You got that, don't you? No. No. <laughs> if people would sign up for Tweaked Audio, maybe I could afford it. Nice. <laughs> the podcast from Stan Lee's old house. Uh, we need to sell a lot of headphones, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking cool. Uh, so, yeah. If you want to see the pictures, I think there's a bunch of them up on uh, some of the news sites. So Why is he selling his house? I'm not sure. I guess he's moving to a bigger one. Nice. He's got to get, uh, what, a cane statue? <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know what his plan is. He needs another room to put all that money he's making. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's going full Scrooge McDuck. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, moving on to TV. Okay. iZombie premiered last night. Missed it. I know you did. I thought it was okay. Somebody described it in a way that I think is perfect. If you were a huge fan of Veronica Mars, you're going to love iZombie. I personally wasn't a big fan of Veronica Mars. Like I watched a couple episodes and it was okay, but I never really got into it. And when I was watching iZombie, the beginning of the show, I kind of felt the same way. Uh, if you don't know what the premise is, and I've never read the books, it's this girl who she's uh, doing a residency to become a doctor. And she gets invited to a party. So she goes, and she's really out of sorts. She's really uncomfortable being there or whatever, especially when drugs start getting used. So designer drugs are circulating, and they're like a brand new, fresh on the street kind of thing. But they turn anybody that uses them into like a raging zombie, and they start attacking all the people at the party. Well, she gets scratched and then falls into the lake. So she's away from the zombies, but she did get injured. The coroner and everybody shows up, and the, the story actually starts as she's being dragged out of the water. So they bring her body up, put her in a body bag, but she wakes up because she's been zombified. And she's kind of a weird human-zombie hybrid. Uh, they actually said that in the show her heart is beating 10 beats per minute. <laughs> she's still a little bit alive. Well, in this particular world, she has to eat brains in order to maintain her sanity, to maintain her sense of self, right? So she decides not to be a doctor anymore. She decides to go and work at the morgue because she'll have easy access to my written brains, right? Well, a lot of the time she ends up eating ramen noodles and brains with hot sauce on it <laughs> oh my for meals. Gosh. Well, the head coroner catches her and figures out what she is and who she is and starts helping her. 
there's some side effects to eating the brains. It gives her the ability to see the memories of whoever's brain she's eating. So it turns out that this Jane Doe comes in and she eats some of her brain. This detective comes down to try to ask information about the dead body. And she has like a flash where she sees the girl in her apartment with this guy and is able to give them information that leads them to the next clue in the case. Sounds like Chew. It's a little bit like Chew. I've never, I've never read iZombie, so that's the closest thing I could probably compare it to. So the detective recruits her based on the lie that she's a psychic to be his little sidekick in this episode. And, you know, they follow a bunch of clues, and she's, she's smart, so she does help him, like, figure things out. And eventually they do figure out who the guy is. And while they're trying to stop the guy who murdered the girl, uh, she goes from being this mild-mannered, I'm a quirky zombie who has to eat brains to stay sane and gain their abilities or whatever to being this like rage monster zombie where she like rips the guy's windshield out of his car and, and is like indestructible and super fast moving. And that part of it I thought was really cool. Uh, the fact that she can transform from this mild mannered zombie to this like hardcore 28 days later kind of zombie. I thought that was a nice little twist on it. So I'm excited for it. I'm going to keep watching uh, but I didn't, I didn't love the beginning of it. I thought it was a little quirky and that could just be because it's a pilot episode. We'll see going forward and you'll have to check it out. I'll have to, I'll have to let you watch it as well. Yeah, I'll definitely check it. It sounds kind of funny. Don't know much about Veronica Mars though. So I don't, you know, that's not gonna do anything for me, but it's cool. Like what happens if she eats a bad brain? Like her brain has been infected with some kind of virus or something or I don't know. They, I'm sure they'll explore something like that in the series, right? Yeah. It's kind of, or, you know, there's enough, there's enough stuff going on and enough layers to the character that I think they can do a lot of things with it. Yeah, because I'm wondering, like you said, she got scratched with the drugs or whatever, but then did the Watt fall, her fall into the lake have a part? Maybe that's why she didn't completely die? I got a couple of questions already. I haven't even seen the show yet. But it sounds pretty interesting. I like the fact that you said she can go full-on beast zombie. Yeah. Beast mode! <laughs> that, is, that is the coolest thing about it. Uh, did you watch Flash this week? Oh, you know I did. Okay, let's talk about that for a second then. I feel like it was the best episode of The Flash so far. I felt like I was like this. I was like this. <laughs> Uh, so a lot of stuff happened. It got dark for a little while there, obviously. Um, you find out who Harrison Wells really is. You find out what happens when Barry goes too fast. You find out a lot of stuff that they've been kind of teasing for the whole season. And then Barry kind of gets the opportunity to fix some of the things, which I thought was cool. You got to see Chad Rook at the beginning again? Oh, yeah. And we could see Chad Rook. Then you could see his brother you know, on the show. Like... Totally badass. <laughs> they did a really good job with Weather Wizard. Oh, yeah. And I'm glad I said that without going, Weather Wizard. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Uh, if you haven't watched Flash yet, you got to watch it. Did you watch Powers? I know we talked about Powers coming out on a PlayStation Network last week. Man, you know my G's suck. <laughs> you know I don't got that persistent in it. It's too slow. So they released the first two episodes to the internet, and I watched them. Um, it's, it's okay. It starts out really slow. But it kind of builds a little bit every couple of minutes and gets more and more interesting as it goes along. I read that several people that were fans of the comics didn't like it at all. They didn't think it was well executed or whatever. But I can't really speak to that. I never really read the comics. So, I don't know. I'd give it like a solid B. A B? A B. Okay. So, if, you're, if you have a PlayStation and you want to check it out uh, and you like Brian Michael Bendis' writing, give it a shot. Moving on. So, there is one actual piece of TV news this week. <laughs> That's the only one. Uh, you know, the, the Preacher TV show is coming on eventually. Okay. So they cast their first female lead, who play, who's playing Tulip, and it's going to be Ruth Negel, who was Reyna on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, okay. So she's going to be the female lead in Preacher. Huh. All right. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I like her. Yeah. And that's it. That's all the news we got this week. Wow. A little bit unfulfilling, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it just wasn't a very busy week, aside from the uh, 
controversy over that cover. Not much dun, happens. Dun. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. Well, I guess you need to tell everybody where they can find us now. So let me remind everybody, there's a couple of places you can find us on the internet. Uh, the first one is at nerdbong.com, which is our friends from the UK. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of shows on there, uh, like the Baked English Podcast, the Untitled Movie Podcast, The Loudest Geeks, Splendiferous Stories for Slumber. Say that really fast. <laughs> and, of course, our good buddies, the Comic Syndicate. Yes! Uh, you can also find us at wickedradionetwork.com. I'll ride it in. But the best places to find us are on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you find us on one of those two, please leave us a five-star review. Five stars! Uh, we just hit 50 reviews on iTunes, and I think we have 10 on Stitcher. So, <laughs> well, we don't have as many listeners on Stitcher. That's know? fine. We'll take those iTunes reviews. <laughs> but we'll take as many as we can get. Because the more we have, the more likely we are to show up in search engines, the more likely we are that people will find us and discover us and actually want to listen to us because we have good rating. So, if you haven't yet, please go out there and leave us one. See, I know you beg for money, so I'm going to beg for iTunes reviews. Because let me tell you something, man. I know we have a lot of listeners. We get a lot of downloads. If you guys can go out there and give us that review, we appreciate it. Lastly... You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at facebook.com slash comical podcast. And on Twitter, I'm at comical podcast. I'm at comical podcast too. And uh, that's it, man. All righty then. Great show. <laughs> I, hope was, I hope it was a great show. Uh, we're both kind of struggling this week. But anyways, keep on laughing, bitches. 